0: Jesus is real. There's power in your name, my hope. We trust in your ways, we be Jesus is real.
1: God doesn't say, You're dirty. You're out of here. I'm finished with you. You've messed up. Sayonara, amigo. He doesn't say that. See, he says, look, you're unclean, but when cleansing happens, then you are readmitted. And that's the grace of God. The grace of God says that we are not perfect, but yet we are still accepted because God has done a cleansing work in us through Jesus Christ.
0: In this edition of Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel teaches on a rather unusual topic, human bodily discharge. As you study Leviticus 15 today, you'll see that God cares so much about the health and safety of people that he gives boundaries for bodily emissions. You'll hear once again that God is always willing to cleanse people and draw them back into community. He's waiting to make you clean. You just need to turn to him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Leviticus chapter 15 as he begins his message, Emissions Check.
1: up in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus, chapter 15, and if you missed the announcement earlier, the the age rating on this message is going to be PG-17, so if you have your young ones here in the sanctuary, I don't necessarily know that this would be the message for them to sit through, um, unless you're prepared to have a birds and the bees discussion with them after service. I realize that Leviticus chapter 15 is one of those passages that you will absolutely never hear a pastor pick to teach from unless they're doing a through the Bible study in the book of Leviticus. And if they do do Leviticus chapter 15, they're going to probably do it in a clip from like Leviticus chapter 10 to chapter 15 all in one message so that you have absolutely no time to actually talk about what's in Leviticus 15. So because we go through the Bible slow and because we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired it, it's worth it to take the time to go through it, I've entitled today's message Emissions Check. And I've entitled it Emissions Check because if you drive and if Most of you do. You've gotten your emissions checked. If you think about what emissions are, they're what come out the back of your tailpipe, and it needs to have the right amount and not extra, or else you're going to have to take your car to the mechanic. And in a lot of ways, it's the perfect analogy for the subject matter of Leviticus chapter 15. This is about bodily discharges. It's about emissions of the body and how God deals with them. Now, What's interesting is the, this chapter is actually quite nicely organized for us. There are different types of discharges. There are chronic discharges, which is a a perpetual flow of some sort. And then there are intermittent discharges, like one time or for a short period of time. And we deal with both chronic and intermittent discharges and It deals with both sexes. Men have certain discharges and women have certain discharges. And so God, in his love and care for his people, wants to deal with both chronic and intermittent types of emissions and for both male and female. So it's interesting, it begins with a chronic discharge for men and then it moves to an intermittent discharge for men, then you have intermittent discharges for women, and then chronic discharges for women. So the men get taken first because God is that way, I guess. Deals with the man issues first. You women can take that home and talk to your husbands about that. And then he deals with the feminine issues. Now, we have to put a couple things in context because when you start just jumping to Leviticus 15 without context, we forget kind of that this is part of a greater section. We've taken the section from uh, Leviticus chapter 9 through or 8 through 15 and it's all about we calling it cleansing because what we have is God wants his people to know the difference between what is clean and what is unclean what is holy and what is common so God is interested in his people knowing that not everything sits in the same category now that's very poignant or compelling for us because we live in a culture that wants to tell you that there's no distinctions at all and every time you have a distinction they try and find a way to blur the line and although that's a cultural value that's not a god-given value that's just a preference and it's mostly a preference because we like to hold as a culture we like to hold absolute claims but we don't like anybody who has a different absolute claim than us like let me give you an example Part of our pluralistic society is that no one way is right. But you ever notice if you tell someone who says no one way is right, that their way is not right, how strongly they hold that every way is right? Like, like, we live in the land of liberal bigotry, where every way has to be right unless you believe that one way is right, and then you are really, really bad, which is textbook bigotry. And it's so funny that we live in a world that doesn't want to make distinctions but there's an absolute distinction made by everybody. Because everybody holds things that this is what I believe in. So people all the time. The most intolerant people are people who hold to tolerance. Let me give you an example. This past week was the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. 58 million abortions since the inauguration of Roe versus Wade. Now, I have a lot of friends who don't believe in Jesus... Say it's about a woman's choice. And so me being me, get on their Facebook page and write things like 58 million. That's an awful lot of dead people. And it's amazing how in the name of tolerance and choice, how intolerant it is. Because they say, oh, what about this one? Well, is 58 million a lot of people or a little? Like, at what point do we get concerned about the elimination of 58 million of any type of person? What happens if it was 58 million Democrats, or Republicans, or men, or women, or school children, or teachers, or politicians? And for people like, oh, no, it's not your, you have no right to, I'm like, to tell somebody, and it's like, and they get very aggressive. Now, I only bring that up to say that I believe that for Christians, we should be able to hold our beliefs as strongly as anybody else. But let's not pretend that people who are tolerant are truly tolerant, because if they were tolerant, they wouldn't get mad at you for holding a different view than their tolerant view. So God makes distinctions between people. He does. God separated the light from the darkness, the land from the ocean. God created them male and female. The creation account is all about God creating everything and making distinctions. Plants, animals, humans. And in this section, we have all this discussion about this is when you're clean, this is when you're unclean. And so God makes a distinction between being pure and being impure. But as we've been saying all the way along, and we've been seeing it, is that when God declares something or someone impure, there is always a stipulation for them to be cleansed and then readmitted into the people of God. And that's so important. So God doesn't say, you're dirty, you're out of here, I'm finished with you, you've messed up. Sayonara, amigo. He doesn't say that. See, he says, look, you're unclean, but when cleansing happens, then you are readmitted. And that's the grace of God. The grace of God says that we are not perfect, but yet we are still accepted because God has done a cleansing work in us through Jesus Christ. So now what we're finding, because God is concerned for the health and well-being of his people, we've been seeing that all these different times when there are all these different sicknesses or leprosy or skin diseases that God wants to protect the people. And so people with all these different things are separated for a time to make sure they're not contagious. And this continues now in Leviticus 15, but we just find that the subject matter is maybe not our norm for uh, church service. So let's, without further ado... Let's jump on in. You guys are excited, right? Leviticus 15. I hope you brought your underlining and your markers. You're going to want to memorize lots of verses in this chapter. (laughs) I wore my Mr. Rogers sweater for tonight. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) This is just like so fun. Okay, Leviticus 15. And verse chapter 15, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. And this shall be his uncleanness in regards to his discharge. Verse 3 in the middle. Whether his body runs with a discharge or his body is stopped up by his discharge, it is his uncleanness. Every bed is unclean on which he who has the discharge lies. And everything on which he sits shall be unclean. And whoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Verse six, he who sits on anything on which he who has the discharge sat shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Verse seven, and he who touches the body of him who has the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. If he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes, bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Verse 9, any saddle on which he who has the discharge rides shall be unclean. "'Whoever touches anything that is under him "'shall be unclean until evening. "'He who carries any of those things "'shall wash his clothes and bathe in water "'and be unclean until evening.'" Verse 11, "'And whomever the one who has the discharge touches, "'and he has not rinsed his hand in water, "'and shall wash his clothes and bathe in the water "'and be unclean until evening.'" Verse 12, "'The vessel of earth that he who has the discharge touches "'shall be broken.'" and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. So it begins now with a chronic discharge for a male. So it's either a flow from his body or some type of flow that actually stops up the normal flows of his body. So rabbinical scholars would tell you that whatever flow it's talking about from the genital areas, rather from the penis or from the rectum. And again, this is why I told you this is Subject matter, that's for mature audiences We're using words like penis, the male part And we're going to talk about women parts as well And all these things So so there is a flow Now, a lot of scars would tell you that The perpetual flow from the male rectum Would be in effect something that is Diarrhea And we all know that diarrhea is Indeed unclean Not welcome I think we can all agree on that I think we all live in the real world And so So what you have here is that if a man has any sort of continual discharge, whether there is something coming from his penis or from his rectum that is a continual discharge, at that point he is considered unclean. And we would all agree, if our husband, our brother, has a continual flow from either part We're going to be concerned, and we're going to go to a doctor, right? Yes, right? So this is very normal, but this was before modern medicine, the American Medical Association, all these things. So when this is happening, then right away we get the regulations for the unclean person, and once again, they are quite uh, stringent. First, every bed is unclean, on which he who has the discharge lies, and everything that he sits on shall be unclean. That's verse 4. How many of you, when you're sick, when you wake up, you wash your sheets? Right? You guys do that, right? Why do you do that? Because you figure there's probably some funk in your sheets, right? And you don't want whatever it is to get passed around. So normal American clean people, when they're sick, they clean their sheets. And that's exactly what it's saying. If, if, if. There's a discharge. Whatever you sit on, whatever you lay on, that is considered unclean. It needs to be washed. Verse 5, and whoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. So whoever is tending to this person, whether it's a family member or a family friend who's there helping, after they touch the stuff, they need to wash, take a shower, and they need to be separated from the people until the evening. And you got to remember, in Jewish culture, that we've adopted, it's the the day begins in the evening. Like our day, new day begins at midnight when it's dark out. So the idea is, is you have a day away from the people because if you have been contaminated, God doesn't want that passed along. So you have to be separated. You take a shower, you bathe, you do not re-enter the congregation so as not to spread potentially something that you may have caught from the person with a discharge for one day. And that's pretty good practice, isn't it? It's, it's just normal cleanliness. Like if your kid has a cough, you don't send him to school. Why? Because maybe that cough's going to be passed around to all the other kids. And so this is just normal, it, even though the reasoning is not normal, or we don't like to think of it as normal, all this makes a whole lot of sense. In verse 6, he who sits on anything in which he who has the discharge sat shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. He who touches the body of him, verse 7, who has the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. So once again, if somebody is who has a discharge, if you inadvertently don't realize it, and you sit on their bed or they're sitting on a seat and you go and sit down with them, you didn't realize that they were there, then again, you gotta wash, you gotta be separated from the people so as not to spread these germs. Now, notice what happens in verse eight. If he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. So imagine if you're taking care of somebody and they either spit on you because they're mad at you, or more likely they hack up on you and you get some on you. Once again, you gotta wash, you gotta change your clothes, you're separated from the people. So all of this is simply a fence being put around illness so that illness doesn't spread. And let's be honest, from a perspective of biblical Christianity, there's a good case that could be made for putting fences around ourselves and our lives from the sinful habits of other people. How often have we found ourselves in a situation where we're not partaking in sinfulness, but we're around it, and then before you know it, we become desensitized to it, and then we find ourselves involved in it? So part of this is God puts a fence around his people because safety is of a high priority for God and it should be for us. Now, I am not saying, and I've never advocated that Christians should remove themselves from everybody who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't love Jesus, but we also have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. We have to be. I have a buddy who calls that, we need to be a snake bird. It's a good phrase, because you're wise as a serpent, which is a snake, and you're gentle as a dove, which is a bird. We need to be snake birds. We need to be really smart, very wise, and we need to be very gentle. And we can have friends, acquaintances, but we don't have to do everything that they do. You will not lose their friendship if you do not partake of everything. And if you could lose their friendship by removing yourself from one thing, then they're not really your friend anyway. One of the, A personal example for me was, you know, as I've said before, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. All of my friends who I grew up with, none of us knew Jesus at all. And and I remember when one of my buddies got married, it was like we're gonna go have a bachelor party in Las Vegas, and I was like, no, I love you guys, can't go. And they were like, oh, come on! I'm like, listen, no, I love you guys, can't go to Vegas with you. Why? Because I know that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except what doesn't stay in Vegas. And you know what? I love Jesus and I love my friends and I don't want to know what happened with them in Vegas. I had one buddy who came back with a broken arm from Vegas. I didn't even ask. I'm like, I don't even want to know. But I knew that me going to Vegas, nothing good was going to come from that. Nothing good was going to come from it. And guess what? I was still in the wedding party, still really close friends with my buddy, but I didn't have to go to Vegas with him. And I think we have to be wise as serpents in putting fences around ourselves. And one of the main ways that we learn to put fences around ourselves is we have to be honest about where we're weak where we're weak and listen even though our culture says that weakness is bad our Bibles say that in our weakness god's strength is made perfect which means our weakness is god's prime time to be strong and so if we can acknowledge this is where i'm weak these are areas that i struggle with then we put fences around it not so that we're not even not tempted but we're not even close to being tempted in those areas And the beauty is what that means is that each one of us needs to fence our yard in some place. Because everybody is tempted by something. And no temptation is worse than anyone else's temptation because we all have it. I think it was Oscar Wilde who said, the only thing I can't resist is temptation. So we're all tempted in different ways. And we just have to be okay to say, this is where I struggle. And it doesn't matter what it is, because God knows we struggle. Jesus died and rose again to forgive us all the ways that we gave into our temptation. But we have to be willing to put a fence around certain things. So like, if you're one of those people who can't get on the internet without looking at some garbage or being tempted, then don't go on the internet or go on the internet with a filter on your computer or only do it at certain hours. There's nothing wrong saying, look, I am tempted on the computer and I want to love God and honor him with who I am. Some people need to change jobs because there's people at your jobs that are temptations. Some of you, you can't do certain things. Like, yeah, it's Super Bowl Sunday coming up. And I know everybody is rooting for uh, a team from Seattle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? It's like some of you can't go to the Super Bowl party. Let's just be honest. You can't go because you know what happens when you go. And nothing good happens when you go. So watch it at home. Invite a couple friends over. And say, look, whatever we do when we're having the Super Bowl party, we're not going to do this. Because we know if that's there, I'm going to struggle. Whatever your area of temptation is, put a fence around it. Because you know what happens? Sin and destruction begins with a small decision. Nobody ever woke up and said, I'm going to ruin my life. I was just talking to a friend of mine today. Man, this guy, I just love him. And he went off the rails, pastor, out of the ministry right now. He said, if you would have told me a month before that this was going to happen in my life, I would have probably either punched you in the face or told you off. He's like, it was just no way. Totally off the rails. Completely. And he's like, look, I had a prodigal son experience. I came to my senses. And he's like, and I asked him, I said, so what was going on? He's like, I didn't put fences around my garbage. I pretended like it wasn't there, even though I knew it was there. He's like, I didn't fall into this, and I walked into it. I just didn't want to acknowledge what my struggles were. And it just reminded me how important it is that we be a humble community where people can come and say, look, I'm tempted. And there's no judgment because we're all tempted. And let's, let's be honest, we've all given into to our temptations at different times, and God's grace is sufficient. So we need to be able to come alongside one another and say, listen, okay, that's an area of temptation. I'm going to ask you how you're doing. What are the fences you're putting up? Because that's how the war against the world, the flesh, and the devils won. And God puts fences. He's not saying that the person who got spit on or who sat on the saddle that the person with the discharge did, he's not saying that they're unclean. He's just saying, I just want to make sure that they're not so that everyone doesn't get sick. And brothers and sisters, put fences around your struggles. And don't pretend that you don't have struggles because we all do. We all do. Every single one of us is tempted and in every single way God has given us the escape route if we are willing to take it.
0: Jesus is real. Today Pastor Daniel began a study on an unusual topic, bodily emissions. You learn that God put laws for bodily fluids in place because he wanted to protect his people and teach them the difference between what is good and what isn't. Pastor Daniel shared that just like sickness can quickly spread from person to person, left unchecked, sin can ravage your life and relationships in the blink of an eye. I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus
1: is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some
0: more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about the importance of recognizing your areas of weakness, what tempts you, You'll learn that you can prevent destruction in your life when you put boundaries around things you know will cause you to stumble. Pastor Daniel will encourage the church to be a place of grace and kindness where people can be open about their struggles and find help and accountability. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Cleansing. Until then, may God bless.